This is Limitless Possibility. I'm looking to be Zenoblay. And I'm Yannick Mangan. And what's the topic this week, Yannick? For our anniversary episode, I thought we would talk about a topic that comes up a lot on our show, and that is Gran Turismo. And we are going to be celebrating our anniversary this week with a special Limi Plays episode where we are going to be talking about our thoughts on Gran Turismo Sport as we play Gran Turismo Sport. Uh... Having intense discussion while driving, maybe not the greatest idea, but luckily these are virtual cars, so we won't die. Yes, especially when uh, Yannick was dreaming about cars, it uh, ended up into a bad state, right? On our last episode when we discussed cars. Yep. Hopefully in uh, Gran Turismo there's no sidewalk, so you can't <laughs> drive on them. There's no sidewalk, but there's a hell of a lot of off-road in this track, and I'm driving all over it. Uh, unfortunately for people who are watching on the Twitch stream, uh, <laughs> They are not going to be seeing the highest quality driving tonight. <laughs> yes, it is good to mention that Yannick is streaming the, his own uh, TV stuff, so it's, yeah. Yep. And I'll, if I'll the audience... Just say that, just stop there and just not complain about your driving techniques, but that's okay. Well, there's also that, but I also want to point out for the people who are listening in the podcast feed that if the audio quality is a little bit reduced, it's because, of course, we are recording uh, from the PS4 and not through our usual setup. So on that note, uh, we are skipping follow-up this week because sadly, nobody wants to read follow-up while driving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. I don't want to read. I, I, but I'll keep what I had prepared for uh, the next week. I uh, could go through a teaser, but I won't do that while driving. Well, it's, so, it's kind uh, of funny because Gran Turismo Sport, uh, like after we finished recording the last episode, which ended with my segment on Destiny 2 and why I think that... Destiny 2 is sort of an unfortunate game for people who are fans of the series. After we recorded that episode, we sort of had this moment where we said, hmm, uh, we wonder if next week, or next episode, Gran Turismo Sport is going to be similar to this. And that's pretty much how it came out. Yeah. Oh my goodness, you really want to start a discussion on that exact topic? Well, I think it's it's going to come up a lot throughout the episode that a lot of the reasons why I was unsatisfied with Destiny 2, and my thoughts on that have evolved uh, since then because I've spent like another 15 hours writing posts about it on Select Button. Um, <laughs> but... You did, come on, I was a bit pissed because you started to spoil the episode on those forums too, so... But that's okay. Uh, it was a tiny minor spoiler. But yeah, so... We're going to go through our thoughts. Um, before, we should sort of lay out what Gran Turismo Sport is trying to do different from traditional Gran Turismo games. Um, so traditional Gran Turismo games, starting from Gran Turismo 1, uh, have generally had a simulation mode. And that simulation mode is where you try to uh, follow the career of a race driver, starting from buying a used car from like the 80s or whatever with your meager budget, and then growing up to using bigger and bigger cars until you can afford basically the flagship car of the series, which was, like in Gran Turismo 2, it was the uh, the fantastic Escudo Pike Peak Edition or whatever it was called, oh, yeah. which I still I love and is apparently rumored to be coming back soon, so I'm very Ooh. much looking forward to that in Gran Turismo Sport. Um, and I think a lot of people who play Gran Turismo, like that is the primary way that they enjoyed the series. And this game, first of all, it doesn't have this, but it also it's also not trying to be this kind of game. Uh, a couple, right. yeah, go at, ahead. At this point, at this point, there's like six games that used to work this way, so it's kind of hard to not assume that people were expecting uh, expecting that type of game. 
even if I think uh, the company that is making Gran Turismo was pretty clear about it not being a real, not a real, I think it's just like a, a familiar uh, game that we got used in the last six games. Right, so if we go up to Gran Turismo 5, that was when uh, GT Academy started being a thing. And GT Academy is sort of the esports wing of old Gran Turismo, which is where they would have online events where you could participate and qualify for real tournaments, basically esports tournaments revolving around uh, Gran Turismo. And th that got pretty big for uh, Gran Turismo 5 and Gran Turismo 6. And they basically decided, we're going to make an entire game based on the premise of Gran Turismo as an eSport, which is what they made in Gran Turismo Sport. Um, and the way it sounds from all of the corporate messaging that we've had since then is uh, Gran Turismo Sport is going to be uh, the first in sort of a series of named Gran Turismo titles, which are going to focus on a specific aspect of Gran Turismo. So it's possible that maybe five or six or seven years down the line, we might have Gran Turismo Sim, which is just a simulation mode from traditional Gran Turismo, given its own title. And maybe it can be sort of like um, mobile games are nowadays. It can be an evolving campaign that every couple of weeks you get more chapters or more races to unlock uh, and stuff like that. But right now, we right. only have Gran Turismo Sport, and that's all that we can play on PS4, which is why some people, and especially people who enjoy the simulation aspect more, are kind of miffed about this title, because there's none of that in this. Right. Remind me, I don't remember if it was in the Gran Turismo 4 and Gran Turismo 5 that they introduced the spec B, where you're kind of the manager of the race team and not the driver. The spec was Gran Turismo 4. 4, yeah. So, and... Since then, it was better in the later games, and especially in six. But you always felt that B spec was kind of another game tacked on into Gran Turismo. And in Gran Turismo six, I had the feeling that it was really a full mode that I won't say that didn't get loved, but like it's it felt like a full mode of the game. And maybe that's gonna that could be an aspect where they could create a Gran Turismo spec B. Uh, in the new generation of the engine and that is just you're the manager of the race team and you should just like build your career as a manager and nothing as a race car driver well the thing that immediately comes up to mind for me is um in gran turismo 5 they introduced the possibility to play b spec in your browser uh which is something i actually really liked because it meant you that was nice you could actually put your ps3 into sleep mode and you could boot it up and play B-Spec races while you were at the office or whatever. And that was really cool. Um, and it seems to me like that should have become sort of like a mobile game of sorts, uh, that they could have worked on that. Uh, I don't know if they're planning on anything like that, because I know Sony is working on several mobile games for some of its properties. That would be really cool. Um, and I guess like it would be nice to see the Gran Turismo brand blossom into a bunch of different little niche games. Uh, but I'm not convinced that the market exists for it, which is sort of unfortunate. And I don't know if Polyphony Digital, like, they take so long to do anything that they'll manage to get anything out in a reasonable deadline, even though, like, a mobile game, like, look at Nintendo, which has done relatively well in a little amount of time and stuff like that. Oh, totally. We'll see. And you remind me of that mode. That mode was amazing. And 
and was it in five or six that you can lend your drivers to friends so they could uh, make them race for you in their own spec B races while you were either working or while they, being, uh, they were being logged into that web interface. I don't remember which version it was, but that feature was amazing for keeping uh, friends connected and uh, captivated through that specific aspect of spec B. Well, I think one of the things that sort of surfaces itself as you think back out to those games is Gran Turismo 5 and 6 really blur together. Like, I have very little memory of anything being specific to 5 or specific to 6. I know I played 5 way more than I played 6, but that's all I can really say. Uh, I beat both. Um, but yeah. I like, do agree with you uh, for that. Uh, I think I played more 6 in the end, but I did. I don't might just be mixing it up. Because to me, 6 always felt like a 5 plus right it's just like it it is the best game Gran Turismo game running on the PS3 and it never felt like like a step forward like the 4 to 5 felt or even like the 2 to 3 from PS1 to PS2 and I think that's partially why they went in this direction for Gran Turismo Sport instead of making the same game basically for the, the third time or fourth time I mean it depends like some people basically like I, I'm in the school of thought that Gran Turismo 4 is the pinnacle of the series as it was and they didn't really change anything significant that made 5 or 6 anything better than 4 already was and therefore I still think 4 is the best Gran Turismo game um, but I think like maybe someone at Polyphony Digital thinks the same thing and they were like well we need to really shake up the series maybe a shake up we could do is do a weird esports version and that's what this is and well we should probably start talking about this version in particular um right so maybe we should bring up the fact that there was a demo uh, shortly before uh the launch of the game in fact the week before the game launched which you could play basically like <laughs> half the campaign lol uh but also uh it was not daily half races the campaign. was it was what it was almost half the campaign. Because I remember after doing 10 like, kind of driving school missions that it would tell you, oh, that's only what's unlocked in that game. Yeah, okay. Maybe 50% is uh, exaggerating a little bit, but yeah, yeah. It, it's close to 15%. Right. Oh, that's for sure. Uh, for sure, 15% sounds about uh, right. And it is, if we are talking first about... Uh, the campaign mode, if you compare it to the other games, the campaign mode here is summarized into what it used to be the license mode, where you, where you add to do specific timed events that are based on driving skills and make you learn how to be a race car driver in this GT world. And now that's what they call the campaign. Whereas previously, campaign was really becoming the racing driver. And in this game, uh, that aspect of it is called the sport mode, right? It's sport. And this is the online aspect of it, whereas before it was mainly offline. Uh, you had to compete the campaign and compete uh, against uh, computer ARs. And this is kind of the main aspect of it is right now the campaign is to make you a better race dri racing driver. And the fun lie. The fun lies supposedly in the sport mode. 
Yeah, and w one thing I want to point out is not a lot of people have played Gran Turismo PSP, but I have, and I beat Gran Turismo PSP, and I can tell you that the campaign mode is Gran Turismo PSP, basically. That is what that game was, and that is wow. pretty much exactly what they took out of Gran Turismo PSP and put into this game. It is pretty much identical. Um, wow, okay, I didn't know that. And I only know this because I frequently go back to Gran Turismo PSP because I really like it. It's basically portable Gran Turismo 4, so there's nothing to hate about it, uh, except the problem is, like, th there's none of that good camping stuff. You basically just have to play arcade races, which, I mean, it it's fine. Like, I love playing uh, Gran Turismo just driving around the track because the physics and the driving feels great. Um, but it has way less longevity than if it was a real Gran Turismo game. And, I mean, uh, one of the funny things is when Gran Turismo 6 came out, the Vita had come out a year or two before. And there was this promise with PlayStation Now that you would be able to play PS3 games on the Vita. So I bought Gran Turismo 6 digitally because, in my mind, and it was hinted at several times by Sony, except they never actually did it, that uh, digitally purchased games would be playable on PlayStation Now. This never actually happened which means we never actually got to play Gran Turismo 6 on Vita, which would have been amazing and was something I was really looking forward to eventually playing on the Vita. Like, Gran Turismo on Vita sounded like heaven, and that's just never going to happen. Right, the only way you could have played is with remote play, and even then... Uh, well, Gran Turismo 6 either. didn't support remote play. Uh, you could have modded your PS3 to force remote play on all titles, oh. because that is a thing you can do, um, but I have not done that. Oh, I didn't know it didn't support it. See? It shows that I didn't try it either, so... I think one of the Gran Turismo's had a, a B-Spec remote play, which is fine, except that's not really what I want to do. Yeah, that would makes uh, it more plausible that it's 6 than 5, though. So I, I want to start talking about uh, the sport mode, because uh, I know a lot more about esports than you do. <laughs> And I think that's the, true. this game sort of is at an uncomfortable middle ground between an esports game and a Gran Turismo game. Because it doesn't really have any of the checkboxes that you would expect from esports games, which makes it a bad esports game. And it doesn't really have any of the checkmarks of a good Gran Turismo game, aside from the driving physics. Uh, and it sort of winds up in the sort of middle ground where you don't really know what to think about it. Uh, and that's sort of what my general opinion of this game is. So one great example of this is uh, usually when you're playing an eSport, you want to be improving because you are thinking more competitively than you would in another game. There's no match history for uh, Gran Turismo Sport. You can't go look at whether it's lobby or um, re uh, sport races. You can't actually bring up a history of your games, whether you won or lost, it, where you placed, what the other cars were. Like You have none of that information to go by. Uh, you basically have to save replays for everything, which I don't think is a good enough option, to be honest. Um, and, like, these are expected features of most esports games. Like, especially, like, I, I'm i more familiar with MOBAs and first-person shooters, of course, but, like, all of the big games have that, and Gran Turismo Sport doesn't really have that. Um, the other thing is uh, we should talk a little bit about how the matchmaking works for sports mode. So sports mode gives you three metrics. You have your driver level, which is basically just you do stuff in the game and your driver level goes up. You have, uh, wait, no, is that what it's called? No, it's the other thing. There's level, there's level, which is yes. uh, what I said. There's driver rating, which is yes. are you a good driver? And there's 
sportsmanship rating, which we both hate, which is do you ram into your opponent slash disconnect from matches, which... Right. Uh, I would say that uh, the driver rating is how well do you go through, uh, how frequently do you go through a podium, for example, and then sportsmanship is really about how well are you as a driver uh, and as a competitor, right? Yeah. Are you the kind of person that will just like brute force is wins or you're the kind of person that will just make sure that you don't hit into other cars and stuff like that yeah um and i would i would say that at first i was really against sports uh sportsman's rating so the sr let's call it this way yeah and after playing playing a couple of more games i realized that Usually, people that don't want to, that don't care about that rating, they usually are at the end of races. I don't know if it's kind of a metric in the engine, but it is assumed that you will be able to win quite easily by driving properly a bit, and also by not ramping into your opponents. So, if you stick in the, the maybe top ten uh, opponents, you should be able to drive correctly and assume that the driver around you also want to keep their rating quite high so i was able to gain some points back on that rating surprisingly well speaking of gaining those points like one of the things that esports games kind of do generally with ranked systems is they have after each game they sort of have this visualization of how much score you have gained or uh, lost and how that impacts uh, your rank and this game basically does the most basic thing it can do. Uh, it either puts, uh, well, it puts your uh, SR and your DR on the result screen. And if it's blue, you went up. If it's red, you went down. And if it's white, you stayed neutral. But there's no fine-grained detail, which is what people expect from <laughs> esports games. There are no numbers anywhere. There is a vague progress bar for driver rating if you go into your profile page. But that is about the most detail you can get. And I understand to some degree that they don't want to reveal too much information to players so that they don't game the system. But at the same time, like every other game does this. And it's very hard to tell, like, am I on the right track to be re uh, returning to Sportsmanship rating D? Or am I stuck on E for another week, you know? Uh, it's very hard to get any sense of progress from what you're doing in the game, aside from occasionally seeing your color change at the end of the results screen. It's kind of frustrating. Um, right, I, I, and it's super frustrating, especially for the SR rating. The only way you could know that you're making progresses is after each section of a racetrack, uh, it will tell you uh, like green SR arrow up, meaning that you did something good, or orange uh, SR arrow down, meaning that what you've done was bad in the past section. Oh, is that or... what that is? Yes, that oh is God. what it means. I was wondering so what that is... arrow was. So these arrow and they will be an indication of how was your SR performance throughout the race and obviously uh, the S from what I understand the SR green arrows are only per section of the racetrack but the SR down arrow could be at any moment because if you ram into people they detect that and just like tell you right away 
That is really interesting. I hadn't known that. Um, I'm going to share another SR fact that a lot of people may not know. Um, basically, there's this ghosting feature, where it, which is when the game detects that you are doing something that is not entirely legal, um, it will make your card translucent to other players and they can drive through you. This means that you basically you you're limited in how you can grief other players by screwing the, up the race by just like just holding the brakes in front of them and stuff like that um which is really nice the level of ghosting uh differs depending on your sr so if you are an s rank which we are not um there is no ghosting at all uh if you are e Basically, anything that you do that deviates from the driving line uh, is ghosted. And I know this because I have been driver uh, driver rating E. Uh, right now, I'm at D, uh, which is a little less bad. And I think A and B are pretty similar. Um, you start at B, I think? I forget. Uh, yeah, I think... I, no, I, you start C, if I recall correctly. And I went down to D, and now I'm back to C. Or you start at D, I don't remember. But the, the, uh, let's maybe uh, be clear about the scale. The scale is from A to S, uh, E no. to S. Yeah. So, yeah, so E is the worst, and S is the best. So it's E, D, C, B, A, S. So yeah. S is kind of the, the, ger the, the gem of sportsmanship and driver rating, because they use the same letter scheme. Uh, for both of those ratings, and I think right now, if we were not in a race-ish, uh, I would be able to tell you. I think I'm at D for driver and C for sportsmanship. What about you? Uh, I am D for both. Okay. So you were able, able, you were able to exit the E for SR. Yeah, uh, I did that during the demo, and I've been stuck there ever since. So I guess I am just average. Um, and to be honest, like I've never finished first in a race. I've finished top three once, and most of the time I am like ninth, uh, pretty much regardless of how many people there are in the race, which is not optimal, I think. Right, it depends. Like in the first week that the game got released, there was a big group of people. With the races could be up to. 25 cars at the same time yep. and in that case my logic of saying like if you stay above the 10th position oh wow Yannick you're I'm the you're greatest really... driver yes yes <laughs> uh, so woohoo uh, so yeah it is really hard to concentrate about is. this is why you shouldn't do a podcast while you drive that's okay. We we did a podcast while shooting people, so now we do a podcast while uh, talking uh, driving cars. Mm. Uh, but so yes, uh, what I was about to say regarding that was uh, I forgot. Okay, that's that. Yes, I forgot, but that's okay. Um, but uh, yeah, so oh yes, now I remember. So the first few uh, days of the launch of the game, it was that you had 24 car, a grid of 24 cars, and that was a complete mess. I would say anything below 10, the 10 position, uh, you would just assume that people were just like making, like, having fun and like doing any stupid action that would result in them being ghosts. Uh, but they all could also do some action where they don't end up being ghosts and they just ram into you or the best solution to just get out of their way to drive correctly yourself is just to ram into them so it doesn't really help your SR 
and I've seen that if you stay up that 10 it's better not perfect sometimes but better uh, this week decided to do races of 12 cars and I've seen good uh, good progress on that and good uh, feedback whereas I would say that the last few position uh, maybe people start to do weird shit and then they just leave the race they so still do that, that by the way right but in the most races I've been this week uh, people like you might have the 8 to 12 car that are doing stupid shit but if you do 8 to first people are assumed that you will want to race correctly and that has been <laughs> nice you should come to uh to my uh <laughs> sportsmanship rating and usually the people who finish the race so i should explain the penalty system before uh so if you do something that is actually wrong and is worse than just a ghosting offense but like usually if it causes trouble to other drivers um you get a time penalty and what's interesting about this time penalty is you can either just run with it and keep going or you can slow down for the number of seconds in your time penalty and that will usually mean that you're going to be back to zero by the time you finish the race and then there's no penalty basically you've paid it by slowing down um, and what I found is that often breaking for turns is good enough to contribute for slowing down, uh, which is great. Uh, so just <laughs> just drive correctly. And... Right. It depends on the size of the offense because sometimes I've seen like the five to ten seconds penalty, and if you get that in a race that takes like forty-five seconds to a minute to do a, a full uh, lap, this is hard to do without breaking and just like uh, yeah, stopping. Yeah, that, that's true. Because the count. Yeah, because the countdown, something you forgot to mention, the countdown goes starts when you stop accelerating yeah. or turning in some cases. So you really need, they really need to detect that you're in a position that you should be faster, but you decide to not be fast. Yeah. Um, but like at my sportsmanship level, a lot of the people who are finishing the race in the top 10 have like 18, 20 second penalties. And oh, shit. what's great also about it is I usually always try to pay my penalty up front uh, during the race and not leave it. And what that means is I finish maybe ninth in the race and then I actually finish fifth because people in front of me have huge penalties built up. And it's really not obvious while you're racing how bad the penalties of the other players are unless you actually see them doing crazy shit. Uh, and that's interesting, but... I also would rather just not be playing against people who want to play bumper cars, which is what happened at E. Like, sportsmanship rating E is incredibly hard to get out of because people are basically just trolling at that point. Uh, and the people who aren't trolling get frustrated and quit. And if you are legit and trying to actually, like, get your way out of E, it's really hard to do so. How did you do it in the end? perseverance like anything in life okay that's good <laughs> good life advice from sakurina um so yeah yes uh i want to talk about one of my major issues with this game and that is the concept of car ownership <laughs> and uh, yes it is really weird so most races in sport mode well, actually, most races in the game period <laughs> uh, do not allow you or do not require you use uh, garage cars. Garage cars are cars you own yourself. 
Uh, and uh, if they don't actually require you to use a garage car, there's a pool of loaner cars you can choose from, which is great. Uh, there's also this thing called manufacturer cups. So there are two kinds of races in sport mode. There's daily races, which may or may not rotate daily. And <laughs> there are big events, like uh, there's a Polyphony Digital Cup, there's a GT Manufacturer Cup, and I think a GT National Cup. Um, and basically, which is fun. Go ahead. Which, oh, which is funny because those events, they are starting next week. So what, three weeks after the release of the game, they will start, which is mind-boggling to me. I do expect that a lot of people are just waiting for them to start to pick up on the game again. Yeah, probably. But again, like this is normal for esports. Like timed events like that are sort of the thing that happens in esports games and sort of accepted. It's just weird to see it in a Gran Turismo game because you're not used to it. No, I'm not talking about the fact that it's a time event. I'm, uh, I was expecting maybe that there will be a, a kind of a launch game event, if you see what I mean. That is not the daily races. Yeah, but at the same time, you sort of want to ensure a certain level of stability so you don't wind up with something like Drive Club, which was a complete disaster for six months to eight months. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, like, the, you want to have a quiet launch and then ramp things up slowly in case there are server problems and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, so... Garage cars, basically, you can't use them for most of the races in the game, which sort of raises this question, well, first of all, where the fuck am, am I? And also, <laughs> I, I just sort of drove completely off, like, where where am I? Oh, I'm in the pit. Uh, oh, I accidentally um... flew into the pit. Well, that's cool. Um, <laughs> wow. I'm just going to refuel here. So, yeah. So, manufacturer cups are basically events where you sign a contract with a manufacturer virtually, and you get to race and represent a specific manufacturer in the race. I sent, I signed the contract with Subaru, uh, which provided me with this awesome WRX you see on my screen right now. Uh, although this is the one that I bought because I bought it before I realized I would get a free one for signing with Subaru. <laughs> like literally the thing I did before was that, and then I pressed the button and it was like, oh yeah, you get a free WRX GR4 for the length of the season. And I was like, oh, should have told me that five seconds ago. Um, yeah, there's that. So you get loaner cars for that. And weirdly enough, like every day there's this thing called the daily workout, which uh, I think if you drive 40 kilometers or something like that, it might be like some weird fractional thing because it's in miles. Um, no, you, you need to drive a marathon. That's the oh that's yeah. the daily workout. Is you need to drive 42 kilometers, which is a, ma a full marathon. Wow, that is... Arcane, but okay, sure. So if you drive a marathon, um, they give you a free car as well, a random free car. So th that, that's kind of cool. Um, and if you complete splits of the campaign, so if you complete like 10 or I think it's maybe eight um, lessons in the driving school, you get a car. If you complete one of the sets of mission challenges, you get a car. And if Actually, you don't get anything for track experience now that I think about it, which kind of sucks because it's the most fun part, but okay. Uh, so traditionally, Gran Turismo has always been a game about collecting lots and lots of cars. Like Gran Turismo 6 had something like 700 cars or whatever. Um, Gran Turismo Sport has like 160, and the reason for that is twofold. Uh, they want very high quality interiors because all of these cars are playable in VR. Um, which I understand, like, they said it takes six months of man-hours to make a single car in Gran Turismo Sport, which is incredibly nuts, and you might think, like, that is a huge waste of effort. 
and I sort of agree in certain points. Like I never look at internal cockpit mode and I, I don't understand people who play like with a racing wheel who play in cockpit mode. Like you see the wheel twice, it drives me insane. Like why would you do that? Uh, I always drive like uh, bumper cam because I love that view. Um, I do too. I think uh, I previously in uh, Gran Turismo 5 and 6, I used to be uh, in third mode, but I, I haven't found the settings where it gives you a wider view. PVC were able to get a wider view. Gran Turismo Sport has those. Oh, really? Yeah. So then I, I think they're hidden. Find the settings where you can stay inside but just get a wider view because part of it is they give you access to the VR mode when you're not in VR. Meaning that uh, right now in my the way the controls are mapped on my game is if you use the uh, right joystick, you can make the camera pan inside or outside to look on your left on your right. Oh wow, you're right. I just tried that and now I am veering completely off course again. This is <laughs> super hard to do though without dying. Oh, I'm in the pit again. That's cool. I, I am in the pit too. Uh, I shouldn't need to look at how we could start the race for that. I think you press on start and you press on start race. Uh, okay. Uh, let me try that then. Because oh, we've been race. we've been doing like laps for an eternity. Twenty four laps I have. Yes, same here too. I was about to start my twenty uh, fifth lap. But yeah, um, and I used to love to be in that mode. But now since I was not able to get the the wide angle inside, I was using the uh, camera bumper view or the one that is kind of I would say roof ish or like windshield like GoPro <laughs> style. Uh, it is the one where you see the kind of first portion of the bumper, uh, but not much. There we go. And yes, where do you start a race? So, when so we a have... another aspect that has traditionally been in Gran Turismo is car upgrades. And there are still car yes. upgrades in Gran Turismo Sport. However, they're sort of a joke. Um, what, there are car upgrades? Yes, Where? Well, exactly. That's part of the point. Uh, so if you go to car options before starting a race, uh, you can spend mileage points to upgrade your car. And there are only two possible oh. upgrades. There's power and weight reduction. And there are three tiers. Uh, you start at level one and you can play, pay for level two and level three. And they're incredibly cheap to get. Um, have you realized what the problem with this upgrade thing is? Uh, that since it's for a garage car, you don't use garage cars, so you don't care? Well, there's that. There's also, uh, balance of performance is enabled on every sport race. And balance of oh, performance yeah, impacts your power and your weight reduction, so your upgrades are absolutely worthless. <laughs> wow, that's true. That's true, because it balances. Yeah. Oh, man. Like, it makes no sense that they would put upgrades into the game, and then in every race in the game, they force you to disable the upgrades. Like, even earlier, I was uh, using the WRX Group B, uh, so the rally car on a road track, and it wouldn't let me disable the balance of power, even when I was in arcade mode, which is really strange, what? because like that's the whole point of arcade mode, is I want to do stupid stuff, let me do it, and you can't even do it. Uh, so really oh, frustrating that's... that there are these fake ass upgrades that don't do anything because it's just a wow. place to dump your mileage points and then never ever see them again 
Yeah, uh, I'm sure we're going sidetrack and not outside of the track, but those, the way, the, all of the money plus the like points for your leveling and then the daily workout mileage, there's way too much counter of like things you need to gather in this game. You, you do have the typical the Gran Turismo credit just to buy cars, which we've defined that you don't need to buy a car to play this game, A. B, there's those mileage points that give you either updates, uh, livery stickers for the car or uh, racing outfit or uh, racing helmet. Speaking of clothes, racing clothes, you can also buy those using uh, mileage points, but I don't see the point in doing so. And am I forgetting something? Oh yes, there's a number of kilometers you've driven and then there's a level. It's like every time you finish something, there's always four boxes on you need to click just to make it like, oh yes, I confirm I got this amount of money plus this amount of mileage point plus I drove this amount of kilometers plus now I'm, at that, I'm about to go to this level of just like being a Gran, Tur Gran Turismo sport user. It's just maddening to me. But I'm sidetracking what you were about to say, so. No, I was pretty much done what I was going to say about that whole aspect okay. of the game. Like, if you're going to have balance of performance in all the races, don't even bother having the upgrades. Like, they're hidden away as it is. I, like, you didn't even know about them. Like, I had to watch a review of Gran Turismo Sport, uh, like a half an hour review of Gran Turismo Sport, to actually figure out that this even existed. Uh, so, yeah, it, there's a lot of weird, undiscoverable stuff in this game. And right, you realize quite quickly that they kept a feature where you can customize every aspect of the car, like the suspension geometry, the power output, and anything that the racing will do is configurable in Gran Turismo Sports still. And that was uh, that became way more powerful in the last few games because I think it was nearly inexistent in Gran Turismo 4, and in 5 and 6, this is where they introduced this new feature. Uh, where you can like yourself tune your car, but by not making adding new up upgraded parts, but by changing uh, the transmission ratios, changing the suspension geometry, adding weights, removing power, and stuff like that. And that still looks like like really customizable, but that seems to be the only thing I knew before some mile upgrades. Uh, do you mind if you go back to the number of cars in this game? Yeah, it's like 160-something. Right. And as a great fan of Gran Turismo, I always liked uh, the amount of car uh, and the quality of the graphics on them. So it's nice to see that they are keeping that. But because the, the, they need to add VR support for these, it meant that the number of cars in Gran Turismo 4 like went through the tube, right? It's like a like a tenth maybe of the biggest game and a seventh of the previous Gran Turismo game. And in five and six, what I liked is they kept some of the old uh, like visual data of some older cars that I don't know why, but that maybe they were not able to go back to the museum to re-record re, uh, re the, the imagery data. But those cars were still available. Uh, sadly, some of them, you didn't have any uh, 
inside camera view if you want to be in cockpit mode, but it meant that you had something generic if you want to keep this one, if you wanted to keep that camera mode. But there was, I think, three category of cars that was like kind of this like super cheap, nearly using like PS2 uh, image uh, assets. There was the one that were upgraded to PS3 but not full res, and there was, yes, a limited list of cars maybe still around like 150 to 200 cars that were like fully irs fully like optimized for the latest game but it still gives you the opportunity to use cars that you love from previous games because they were still in it with yes less uh, irs assets but still available and this is a main a big disappointment in gran turismo sport is yes Gran Turismo, compared to its competition of other games, they're providing cars uh, of better quality visually in the game, but the number is so limited that I don't know if it is really worth it at this point, especially for a car game. But you don't need to have a garage, so who cares, right? Yeah, and like uh in older gran turismo games they've called these like standard cars and premium cars and basically gran turismo sport oh, the, yes. de the decision was made that they only do premium cars now uh which we can argue about whether that's a good thing or not uh, i think that the problem we have is graphics have gotten so good in video games that it is becoming untenable for polyphony digital to try and have as much uh ocd level of detail in their cars as they traditionally have and unfortunately, I think like this is only going to get worse as like 4K and HDR and VR sort of keep adding to the level of stuff you have to consider to actually do the thing. Like, I understand Polyphony Digital being proud of that every single stitch is recreated accurately on the interiors of their cars, but at the same time, nobody really cares. <laughs> like, Ah, you know what? I, yes and no. Yes, I've been complaining that there's not enough cars, but I used to love playing in like cockpit mode, so I'll try to find the settings I was looking for, and I'll play it this uh, time. And maybe it was, this will bring me to the VR mode, which uh, I was not able to try because I don't have a VR setup here, and I don't think any as neither unless you... Uh, reserve us a surprise for this episode. I wanted to get one for Gran Turismo, and then I found out what the VR mode was, and then I said, like, well, no thanks. <laughs> yeah, and that's kind of my point, right? It's VR is super limited. I think it's kind of limited. It's one of the arcade mode. Uh, it's a two-car right race mode on arcade mode. Oh, and two-car, could it be two people? Or it's like your car plus AI. I think it's your car plus AI. Oh, okay, yeah, so it's pretty limited, but in a way, if you just want to do that, like, if you're a great fan of arcade mode, that is a nice feature, but most people are there, or here for simulation, or, like, for playing with others, which then just sucks. Yeah, like, s s I think that's sort of the undercurrent of the thing, is, like, sports mode is supposed to be the main go mode of the game, however, cars don't matter there, upgrades don't matter there, the VR doesn't matter there. And it's sort of just weird. Uh, like, I understand that this was supposed to be the focal feature of the game, but it feels like so little thought went into actually designing a sport mode that fits with the rest of the game. Yeah, it, it felt like this is a different world, a bit like B-Spec 
in GT4 when it got introduced. P-Spec was nice as its own flaws, but it felt like a different game inside what a typical big Gran Turismo game is. Uh, sadly here, because it, it is the main uh, feature of the game and the main like uh, focus point, the rest of the game is kind of empty. So you just end up playing a mode where it's nice. Um, you might run into limitation because playing on the internet with uh, people is sometimes problematic. And if you don't like that, in the end, you spend maybe $80 on a game where there's no content in it except playing online. You will be able to go through the campaign mode, which some, some people like, some people, <coughs> excuse me, don't like uh, timed-based uh, uh, events or uh, against-the-clock event. Uh, I personally do, and that's fine. I'm, I'm sure I'll be able to enjoy uh, the campaign mode and like making sure I'm able to uh, skip uh, and uh, remove uh, like milliseconds out of my time. And I've already been doing that by comparing my times with Denix, uh, so the friend ranking. I've been appreciating and... that. Yes. Oh, yes. And <laughs> maybe I'll go again on a small tangent. And the way I used to do the driving license is I was. I remember the driving license in the past used to be really hard to get the gold standard. Driving license in a way since they are timed uh, against the clock event, there was uh, gold, silver and bronze uh, awards for your performance in them. And I didn't, do remember when I was playing like GT4 that it was super, super hard to to get gold everywhere or at least get gold in one event and I think in five and mainly six they uh, either I've got better to the game or uh, they diminish a bit the uh, level of those uh, of those uh, driving lessons to make it more attainable to do gold so now with the recent games I always aim to get gold and when I get gold I'll try to get the best time I can knowing my performance and knowing the fact that I don't have a wheel and pedal setup and I'm only using the controller here uh, and with also comparing my the time with my friends and also with the ten, the top 10 uh, leader online leaderboard it is easy to see like what is the best expected time which usually is done uh with the like real racing setup in your uh, apartment or home but i can like gauge myself to see okay i can get better time in this place and ameliorate uh, get better time in the corner event so that is an aspect i really love and i'm happy that they were able to still keep that yeah, in the later Gran Turismo games, they actually stopped requiring the licenses to do any of the races, which sort of meant that you could ignore them if you were bad. Um, right. Now it's sort of against the point to actually ignore them if <laughs> if you're bad, because first of all, I've gotten most of them on the first try. Like, bronze is really, really easy to get, whereas I don't think that was necessarily the case on, at the very least, GT4. GT4 is sort of my favorite, so it's the one I go to the most, but... Uh, I don't remember no, GT5 right. and 6 being as hard as GT4. No, it's true. Like, I do remember 5 and 6, even if they, squ as they squished together, those two, the licenses were way easier than in the past. Yeah, and they weren't even really required for anything, so that helped. 
uh, if you just wanted to beat the game and didn't really want to spend all your time doing weird time attacks. Um, but like r right now, like there's so little single player content in the game that you sort of play it because you want to actually experience some of the single player content to actually feel like you got your money's worth. Um, so yeah, that's sort of what I've yeah. been doing. And I've, I think I'm pretty close to like 50% completion of the campaign right now. So I have a pretty good idea of what the campaign is like. Um, and I've read some impressions from people who have played more of it as well. And I think like the mission challenge stuff, the latter half is way more interesting than anything in the first half, uh, which I'm looking forward to. Um, but like, there's still not much there, which is, oh wow, DNF. <laughs> right, because I finished. Uh, yeah. So uh, we're at the moment where I finish our, we finished our uh, 10 laps at uh, Willow Springs. So if you're not watching the stream, we were playing uh, Willow Spring International Raceway, and it was the big Willow configuration. So well, people from California, they will uh, know this racetrack a lot. Uh, for other people, just Google it. And Look at this see. handsome man with his green helmet. Oh, wow, you get credits. Okay. <laughs> I, we do get credit. I got a lot of money, mileage point, distance, and now experience. Oh my goodness, it's so long. <laughs> it's not that bad. If you just mash X through it, it's not a big deal. Right, I know, but still. Like, my point regarding that is, GT used to be simpler for that. And that, I do miss. Yeah, it, it seems like... I think this is sort of inspired by esports slash free-to-play games. Like I, to a certain degree, I think like Destiny One to some extent. Uh, if you had made this game free-to-play, a lot of the complaints would be gone. I think people have expectations of what the value of an eighty-dollar Gran Turismo game is, and this doesn't meet that bar. Um, that's more or less what I had to say about like that. Oh, okay. Uh, good. Sorry, I was not listening because I was trying to find if we can put one of. Oh no, no. Okay. Actually, uh, do you, do you want to change put... cards and cards and have me do the lobby and we can change tracks and. Oh yeah, ladder. I was about to see if. Yeah, I was about to see. I can. Oh, I can select my car here, so I can change it to the race if you want. I can then. Oh, okay. I'll do. I mean, this. I ha I have a preset for my favorite stuff, so I can just do that, but. Okay, so you know what? You can now vote. Oh, the, oh my god. Wow. So We've I'll caught let, up to TF2. You, yes, I'll let you vote, and then I'll do the same as you, just because I'm a Karen person. Can I choose what time it is? No, I can't. Of course not. That would be too much fun. I can change that, I'm sure. Make it nighttime. So which one did you... Okay, yeah, Tokyo Expressway East, Loop. yeah. Okay. Uh... Okay, scores. Oh, it's still in progress. There we go. Okay, yay. Seven forty. Oh. oh well, who cares? It's fine. It's still the best track. Oh no, really? Not really. Uh, <laughs> I know that you love your Tokyo. You you took your. Actually, that's another complaint I have. So, people have been complaining that there are not enough uh, tracks in this game, and. To some extent, I understand them wanting to keep the track count low um, because generally esports are about eliminating as many variables as possible or trying to make the variables interesting things that can be played strategically. And of course, like the, there isn't much of that um, in Gran Turismo. It's pretty much purely driving skill. 
So they are incentivized to keep the map count low. Oh, I should actually do enter course. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Uh, so I can change the time of day. What would you like? Nighttime. Uh, nighttime. There's no nighttime. It's only 6 p.m. Yeah, that's it's what I mean, 6 p.m. It's not night, come on. Well, okay, when you see uh, how dark it is, you'll think it's nighttime. Okay, good. Uh, do I keep the number of laps to 10 or make it. Oh, yeah, sure, let's whatever. It. I don't really care. I just want to race on the track. Yes, and... Okay. Oh, this uh, is the reverse one. That. Oh shit, I can't change my car now. Oh, because it's loading? Oh, it needs to load. Yes. Speaking of loading, oh my goodness, this game is so slow sometimes. I understand that there's a lot of data to load, and I think any keyword experiences faster loading times because of your SSD upgrade. Yes. But on the normal, like the hard drive that it comes with, it's just crazy. Okay, I can select my car now. Well, uh, another thing that I actually like about um, these, the way the loads are configured, like I understand that you don't like that they are long, and I totally acknowledge that. But once you've done the loading, you can do a lot of things without hitting another loading wall, which I think is very great. Like the retry cycle on the lessons is instant, which I really appreciate. Like once you have that base loading thing, done it's really easy uh, if you're doing a uh, track experience which is where you race different segments of the track and try to time attack that segment of the track um, when you switch events via the menu at the end it doesn't reload the track you immediately start the next segment which i think is great because that it was painful if you have to load it every time like i think they've done the best job they can with the level of detail they're going for but again like if each car is a premium car if each track is done to crazy detail like there's only so much you can do to optimize loading times in those cases and like polyphony digital will always choose detail over loading times yeah agreed agreed uh, I'm in, by the way. I don't know. Oh, you're hard. Okay. Yeah, I'm like halfway across the track because of SSD. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, now I was uh, still. Uh, oh, yeah, I remember playing it at, at quote unquote night, but yes. Uh, so, yeah, loading time. Uh, there are at least the details. And I think maybe to. I want to not go back on cars, but something I quickly forgot to mention during the. the, the like vehicle list, vehicle list uh, is our good friends at Digital Front. They had a good uh, review of GT Sport versus Forza, and they did a comparison of the Mazda Miata or Mazda Roadster in Japan that are included in both games to compare like uh, the example car that were provided by Mazda to both companies, and it was pretty pretty interesting because. If you've been somebody that is, uh, that is like Yannick and I, and I've always been uh, lived here in North America, sometimes when you're playing the game, you in compact mode, you are not used to be on the right side because obviously Gran Turismo is made in Japan, so most of the car they get to to be model after, it will be the Japanese market model, not the North American model. So you end up with like for example with Forza where they got something from I guess Mazda North America and it was the IN model of the Mazda, Mazda MX-5 compared to what the team at Gran Turismo got was the 
man's a roadster and like the, the, the kind of base model, but even by even ignoring those like model designation configuration, uh, you could see important details between the technical challenge you decided to do for each uh, game, and that's I would like to invite you to go watch that if you are a car nerd or a like just a graphics nerd. It's really nice. Yeah. Yeah, the graphics in this game are stunning, but like we were expecting that going in, uh, so it's not that surprising. I hear this game is fascinating in HDR. Uh, I haven't had the chance to see it in HDR yet, but I would really like to see that. Um, I don't think I know anyone with an HDR TV though, so that is a problem. Uh, I am, I am, okay, uh, <laughs> it might change because I've been looking at a 4K slash HDR TV. And you're uh, buying a lot of so, things this uh, year. Uh, don't uh, don't get me started <laughs> on that. I'm sure I'm sure we'll talk about that in a future episode. Probably. At least about what I'm about to pre-order tonight. Uh oh. Oh, I see. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, do you have uh, anything else you want to tackle uh, about the game? Uh, well, I I think like. <laughs> It's sort of interesting. So I, I mentioned Destiny 2 at the start of the show, and one of the things that I sort of brought up in that thread that I was posting about in Des about Destiny 2 was I realized that part of the issue that people were experiencing, that hardcore players were experiencing with Destiny 2 is in Destiny 1, there was a complete flood of progress bars and check uh, and checkboxes where there were so many different progress bars and checkboxes you could fill that if you were someone like me who wanted to spend your entire time playing Destiny, you always had something you could tick off or fill a progress bar and feel a sense of satisfaction. If you are slightly OCD like I am, you just get a good feeling for doing stuff. And I realized like, when I was doing my psychotherapy to actually figure out why I dislike Destiny 2, um, that... <laughs> like. Elsewhere in my life, I also structure things where I can have as many checkboxes as possible. So I, whenever I have tasks at work, I try to divide it up into more tasks so that I have more checkboxes to tick off so it feels more satisfying. And I think that, like, that aspect of psychology and whatever is really interesting to hear about in games. And I would love to see something like a GDC talk about this kind of attitude in video games. And as much as I like to shit on like Assassin's Creed and Ubisoft, like that is sort of the the game design around Assassin's Creed is like interactive to-do lists. That is sort of what that game is. Uh, and I understand like why some people like that because that's sort of how I play Destiny. I just prefer the gameplay in Destiny to anything Ubisoft has ever made. Uh, sorry for dissing Ubisoft. Um, but yeah, so I think there's a similar issue here where we're used to the check boxes of getting trophies in every simulation race there is and getting awards and whatever and getting cars from every championship we complete and we are used to a certain reward loop and the reward loop in Gran Turismo Sport is completely broken because your rewards are credits to buy cars which you are basically worthless in the game or you are given cars outright, which are also worthless in the game. You get mileage points, which can be used for cosmetic upgrades, which I guess are cool to a certain extent. But they can also be used on upgrades, which are completely worthless. Um, the only thing that really unlocks content like tracks or whatever is 
how much you play the game. Like we were talking earlier, I was racing on the Nordschleife and you were saying, oh, I don't have the Nordschleife yet because it's in level 15 unlock or whatever. And I'm level 18 and you're like something, I think level 10 or something. No, I think I'm now 15, 16, something like that. Okay, well, whatever. It's a... But, but yeah, and, and that, it's good you mentioned that because that kind of pisses me off, right? It's They are forcing you to play online to unlock arcade stuff, which... No, you can play arcade mode and me, get points from arcade mode. It's just slower. Right, and that's what I learned after playing arcade mode is you still get points all the time, which on that aspect... If you, like you said, if you stay offline all the time, it is nice because you still are getting points and credit that is useless, but still. Yeah, but that that's the thing. Like, I think that's another problem that sort of lies in Destiny 2 is to a certain degree, you can continue to make numbers go up, but if those numbers are completely meaningless in the end, you don't actually feel like it's worth doing. Um, like... Uh, Recently, there's been discussion like Destiny 2, if you are playing the game at the correct pace, you never actually feel more powerful because you are growing exactly at the same rate as the game enemies scale. So there's never any difficulty change. You always feel like you're exactly the same effectiveness against the enemies you're fighting because they're the same level as you because that's how the game was designed. So it feels like, well, why am I even leveling? Why do I just not have set guns and use those and not care about stats? Um and sort of like all the numbers in Destiny have gone meaningless to some degree. And once you're past 265 in Destiny 2, there's no real content that actually is higher than 265, so there's no point to being higher than 265, so why would I work hard to actually get to 305? Like, there's all these questions. And so it's sort of the same thing in Gran Turismo. You can get as many credits as you want, you can get as many mileage uh, points as you want, but if the things you're spending them on are meaningless, then there's no point to getting them, and then therefore you don't feel rewarded for playing the game. The game itself is good enough as is, but I think it would have a lot more longevity if you had the checkboxes, if you had the prizes that felt rewarding, if you had things that when you bought them actually felt like they were useful instead of having upgrades that do absolutely nothing because the game turns them off as soon as you get into a race. Like it, A lot of things about modern games can be basically determined by how good are the rewards for doing things. And I think that's like a complete other discussion because like back in the day when you played Super Nintendo games, you were not expecting to be rewarded for everything. Like you were playing games because they were fun. Nowadays we have become so grown used to these games that reward you for doing everything. And it's like gamification of everything has made games feel like work more than they have made work feel like games. It's really weird to actually see like this transition when you actually think about the implications on game design that all of this stuff has done. And I mean, like, I don't have any answers for any of it because I'm not like a psychology major, but it's super interesting to actually think about all this stuff and how it impacts gamers and people and how every game wants to be the only game you play and take over your lifestyle and how basically like you can do that except if you change elements of how the game is played to make it more accessible to other people that entire facade falls down because now you no longer have enough content to make it a lifestyle game and basically we get to looping around to destiny 2 again it's really weird yes again <laughs> okay you know what maybe i could go with some of my conclusion about the game because uh, i think uh 
Uh, you know what, my uh, yours, it's not bad, yours is a bit philosophical about gaming in general, and I would like, uh, it would, uh, seems that mine will feel pale next to it. <laughs> Sorry so. about that, maybe I should have gone last. That's, that's okay, that's okay. Uh, and I think, maybe to, relating to that is, I feel in our private discussion that um, we played GT uh, for the same reason, because of the simulation and the car collection, and it's going to like uh, it's to uh, like have fun on our car culture side right and I think yes you might not own a car but you do love cars and a game like Gran Turismo is helping you on that and you did see uh, a bit more with sport because like you said you know more about esports and I'm not let's put it this way I'm not a big like proponent of like playing esports and stuff like that and being part of that culture so that kind of started my impression of the game before i bought it i was super excited that we get a new game but i was a bit worried about that aspect of sport of gran turismo sport and sadly after playing for maybe 10 hours those worry kind of came like came back and now i'm just like a bit disappointed about the game because the aspect I liked about Gran Turismo was its simulation and this like its level of like real life simulation this didn't go away but the fact that I can't collect cars and I don't have cars that I was imagining that I will get because they are like well known and popular these days and they are not in the game kind of rubbed me the wrong way yeah, the engine is state-of-the-art. It's the container we ha and the context around the game that we have an issue with. And I think, like, uh, I'm surely not alone. Like, I love that Gran Turismo 4 has, like, a billion K cars and really derpy, weird Japanese cars that nobody likes. Like the Daihatsu Midget, which is my dream car, um, <laughs> which I, I saw in person years ago in Japan and still I think about it every day. Um, if only Subaru had made it. But, um, yeah... I think like having that entire aspect of like it's really weird because like the home screen on Gran Turismo Sport is sort of like this trip through history like sometimes you see like news flash about like Facebook was invented with a weird derpy picture of Mark Zuckerberg there and it basically tries to contextualize the history of cars but when you look at the cars that are in the game there is very little to actually give any point to the contextualization of the history of cars because most of the cars you see are recent cars or sort of fantasy versions of cars that are fit into the categories of vehicles that Gran Turismo invented for uh, Gran Turismo Sport. Uh, we haven't really yeah, talked about that. Yeah, most 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 of them are just like race cars, whereas previously you had a way bigger selection of like normal cars you could by yourself and drive on the road and not like being full on a race car and to go back to that historic aspect previously you had old shitty cars like you had steam cars in gt5 and 6 you had like mercedes like 1900 cars and sometimes you add like time event to do that and that aspect of gran turismo went away and it makes me sad I just realized I'm winning this race, which is not something I'm used to. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's, uh, it's <laughs> you had a stroke I or was... something, and something happened. No, I I, I took the uh, I think it's the uh, 
G8 Vintage, and it um, seems that I'm not that good with that Aston Martin, so that's okay. Okay. And it's uh, like you're a G My home track. Yeah, no, it's a, you have a group car and I have an N car, so it doesn't help. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, you had a GT3 while I had a GT4 on the last track, so it sort of balances out. Yeah, exactly. And it's not really a race, it's just to uh, give us ideas on what to talk about. Yeah, there was something else I wanted to add, but I forgot what I was going to say, which is unfortunate. We were talking about the uh, kind of the history, and it reminded you of something we forgot to talk about. Yeah. Like, we were talking about the, uh, the screensaver. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, that's it. Like the cars are basically like there are not that many retro cars. Like I know some people who were really excited to race a Skyline. I don't think there's a single Skyline in this game. <laughs> and you know what? I I was kind of expecting to drive my own car in the game. It makes no sense at all because I can drive the real thing. But still, like I was expecting to get the Focus RS in it. And no, we just got the ST model, which. It's not a bad car, just like... It has the same infotainment the system, which is really funny. Uh, yes, it has the same infotainment as my Fiesta ST, which is the old SYNC system. But now I get the new one, which is better. Uh, but still, my point is, I understand that if they did that like two years ago, the RS was not officially out and stuff like that, so it, the Focus ST was still kind of flagship Focus at that time. And I was expecting uh, a little bit more like flagship cars that we have these days in the game that are not in the game. Yeah, it's really strange. Um, one of the things I sort of want to close with is recently I've been having discussions because I, I've been playing a lot of race games recently because on the Super Nintendo Exploration Squad podcast we did uh, Drift King a while back and uh, the latest episode I did was F1 Race of Champions. Uh, so go listen to that if you're interested, because in that episode I posited that maybe it was a better race game than Gran Turismo Sport, which is maybe a stretch. Um, but, uh, yeah, I've been playing a lot of race games, and one of the things that I really miss is the entire category of sort of B-tier race games. Like, uh, there's... There was a time when there was Midnight Club. There was, like, uh, Need for Speed games coming out regularly. Uh, and I think to a certain degree, like, the yearly releases were sort of killing the series because they were making too many of them that were too similar. Uh, like, Need for Speed especially. Like, from Need for Speed Underground to, like, Carbon, I can't really tell you what the difference for any of those games is other than they changed the logo <laughs> <laughs> and it's a little bit more open world. Like, there was so much racing going on on PS2 and start of PS3 era that they sort of pulled way back. And now it's, like, really hard to find, like, arcadey, chill-out racing games on PS4. Like, that category sort of disappeared completely in the PS4 uh, era. And I think it's really unfortunate because I really like just these kinds of games where you can just drive your car carelessly around the place like Tokyo Extreme Racer is the same idea and that was a series that was super popular uh, with some people like all of the disappearance of that category of game really makes me sad because as someone who doesn't own a car but who and likes who likes driving cars around fast on a nice street track like I understand Gran Turismo Sport has two street tracks which is Tokyo the one we're racing on right now and Tokyo Central Loop which I, I mean I love those highways I will continue to race on them but those are the only street tracks in the game and they are both kind of similar because they are the same highway except presented in different ways 
Um, right, and we used to have a lot of city races. Uh, city race like before in the game too. Yeah, there was like a good dozen of them. Um, right. And it's good. You're you're making a different point. Like when I was young, I was kind of a big fan of those arcade type race game and while growing up in my passion to drive car i always was trying to find something more of a simulation than just like arcadey physics of the cars itself so i really like throughout the years i really grew out of games like need for speed and i also think that throughout the years uh, need for speed kind of lost its soul uh, it's sold, and I think it, it's, it is kind of coming back. And <laughs> now it's basically a Fast and the Furious video game. Like, that's pretty much essentially what the newest one is. Right, so, and it felt to me that the previous one were really, like, kind of a homage to uh, Daytona USA, for example, with just better graphics. And that was nice when I was young, just as a person that enjoys car, but the more I grew up, the more I wanted to simulate it while in my teenage years, like I, I didn't think I had my training size and, and I want to have something as close as the real deal. And yes, I know I can drive, but I can't drive all the cars on earth, right? So if I can have somewhat, so, uh, some experience somewhat resembling driving a supercar, for example, that's what I want, not some arcade version of a supercar. So I think this is kind of why those games kind of went away it's because a lot of people decided to not play those types of game and the main focus was people like me that stayed on like we want like something that is like the real deal but not really the real deal and this is where those games shine and I think another example is Gran Turismo is having big competition nowadays because of that like Forza is yes Forza has uh, different games where some of them is more like Gran Turismo or some others is more like Need for Speed but even like Forza Motorsports, which is the equivalent of Gran Turismo, like I wouldn't say they're getting their ass kicked, but they're having great competition, and hopefully it will make uh, the makers of GT uh, like stay relevant on this. Yeah, I think like well, the studio that does uh, Forza Horizon, which is the other game in the Forza series, is actually uh, the people who used to do Project Gotham Racing, which I actually really like that game. Uh, back mm -hmm. when it was on the Xbox and Xbox 360. Uh, I, I'm sort of sad that that series sort of disappeared, but it kind of makes sense to consolidate your racing stuff into the same brand. Um, and I mean, like, Forza Horizon is cool and all, but, like, <laughs> it still feels like nothing quite captures the feeling I'm looking for better than Gran Turismo 4. And maybe, maybe that's what we'll end on, is, like, I love Gran Turismo 4 so much, I still play it regularly. Like, every couple nights when I'm coming back from work, I'll just boot up the PS2 and play Gran Turismo 4 because it has my favorite night track on it. Uh, although this one is pretty close, uh, I must say. Um, but, like, Clubman Special Stage 5 is one of my favorite Gran Turismo original tracks out there. And I've been playing it since Gran Turismo 2, and it's always been my favorite. And I just really like playing that track in Gran Turismo 4 because it's sort of like... I don't really have access to the PS3 versions of uh, Gran Turismo anymore, and even if I did, like, I feel like 4 is really just the ideal version of Gran Turismo for me, and to some extent, like, I wish oh, they would just make... Why don't you have access to them anymore? I don't have the PS3 anymore. What? 
Well, my brother has it in his room, but it's... Oh, I see, I see. Yeah. So, uh, Gran Turismo 4 is just like my idealization of what Gran Turismo should be. And I almost wish that... Uh, it, it sounds really cynical to be saying this, but I really just wish like Polyphony Digital would make a 4K HDR version of that game. And it would be good enough that for me. Be amazing. Oh, you're that there. You're just amazing. standing on the side of the road. That's nice. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it would uh, be really amazing to see uh, Gran Turismo 4 coming out like as a remake of sorts. Uh, I think like there are a number of reasons why they can't do that because like they have to pay for the rights for cars and stuff like that. It's like not that easy. Racing games are never really easy unless they're using fake cars um, to re-release. But it's it feels like Gran Turismo 4 had such a huge impact on racing games in general. Like, it's sort of defined what we expect from racing games nowadays. And I feel like it wasn't perfect, by all means. Like, it, it has so much stuff in that game that I never actually beat it. I got very close, but then I lost my save, uh, which is unfortunate. Uh, all, you don't have the, all you don't have the patience to do it. Like, endurance races were like, I'm maybe iterating a bit, but they were like real endurance races. If yeah. you add to, uh, 24 of Lamar, you would do fucking 24 hours of playing to beat it. Yeah, luckily you could pause, uh, which is something that not a lot of people realized. Uh, I did the four-hour race one. I think I think there was one like one four-hour race, and I was handing off the controller to my dad every once in a while, and we were duo teaming it. Uh, that was really cool. Like there is so much to do in that game that it basically satisfies the I want checkboxes to tick off uh, mood inside of me, and. I've been seriously considering just like starting a new Gran Turismo 4 game and just playing wow. through that. Um, there are some complications because unfortunately the PS2, well, semi-unfortunately, the PS2 had this great idea where they said the D-pad is going to be, uh, not the D-pad, the buttons are going to be analog, which means if you half press down on a button, uh, you have a half acceleration in game uh, because I use, uh, the face buttons for acceleration and the D-pad for driving. As you should as a Gran Turismo player, to be honest. Um, but the problem is, if you actually use those buttons and your PS2 controller is worn down, uh, and it is really hard to actually buy PS2 controllers that are not worn down nowadays, um, it's very hard to actually finish anything above sixth place because you just don't accelerate to the maximum of your car's potential which is kind of a problem. Uh, so actually my fix for this has been to play with a PlayStation 1 controller because those do not have analog buttons and it's always a 100% press, uh, which oh, wow, I guess okay. is a fix for the problem, except I really would just like to have like an infinite supply of PS2 controllers that are perfect, factory fresh. Uh, I don't <laughs> think that's going to happen anytime soon, uh, but it would be really nice. That kind of sounds like Gruber and his uh, extended keyboard his, uh, too. Pile, yeah, it's pile of extended keyboard. Yes. Yeah, I I thought about that too when I was thinking about it the other day. I was like, mm, I'm turning into Gruber. Maybe I should back off. Um, but I I, I I have a basically factory fresh PlayStation One controller, so it actually feels really good to play with. Um, but I haven't wow, been able okay. to get one for PS2, which is unfortunate. Um, so yeah, so this game really made me realize how much I love Gran Turismo 4. And I'm probably going to be playing that. Uh, 
This game is still very good if you enjoy the engine of Gran Turismo because it's basically just more of the same. But if you're used to the container of Gran Turismo, you're not going to find that here. Um, that's pretty much it. Yeah, sadly. And I think we'll end on that. That's Yannick and I are both, let's say, we're both a bit disappointed on the game. I'm sure that this disappointment won't stop us playing it. Uh, at least not for me. Maybe Yannick, if he starts a game in Gran Turismo 4, he won't have time for the new game. Hopefully, uh, I'll personally be able to experience the, ch the championship and see what they are about. I'm definitely going to try uh, to do the championships. Like I, I'm not giving up on those because I, I really am interested in seeing how this turns out as an eSport because... I mean, we've seen GT Academy, but this is sort of a completely different play, and I'm really interested in seeing how that plays out, so I do actually want to participate in it. Uh, not only because, like, I'm actually better at Gran Turismo, which is sort of unfortunate, than I am at most other esports I play, um, which, I mean, tells you how bad I am at the other esports, really. Um, but yeah. Uh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Though I did have a dream last week during the League of Legends World Championship, so th this is complete aside. Uh, League of Legends World Championships are going on, and uh, the most popular uh, North American team is called TSM, and every year they choke at Worlds uh, and lose catastrophically. It happened again this year, and this year I had a dream that TSM's jungler, which is basically the guy who is supposed to sneak in every once in a while and get kills, uh, who has not been very good at Worlds this year, Rage quit the team, and then they decided to replace him with me, a level 11 player who is not even able to play ranked yet because I don't have ranked unlock, and only plays like one champion, not very well. And they decided to make me the jungler for DSM for next year. And I told this to our friend Shannon, who also follows League of Legends, and he was like, you are on some crazy drugs, man. They would never choose you. And I'm like, I know, that's why it was funny. Um, but yeah, so that is what happens in my dreams nowadays. Oh, yeah, it's funny because I didn't understand a word of what you just said. And because of that, we'll end this episode. Wow. <laughs> Shut down. <laughs> yes, exactly. So I'll kill this race here. Sorry about Wait, that. Wait, you're going to kill the race I'm winning? <laughs> yes, but I'll say publicly before I uh, do the outro that Yannick was winning by a uh, really, really big margin. So uh, maybe it won't show, but you will... Uh, I'm going to be so play. mad if now my points don't count because there were zero other opponents in the race. Oh, <laughs> uh, let me check. I'm doing exit, exit room. Oh, well, now my race ended. <laughs> oh, oh, I thought because I quit the... Oh, sorry. Okay, now I understand. So we learned something. Don't be uh, mean with your friend. Don't kill uh, the room while they were playing. Amazing. And on that note, uh, if you want to find some of the show notes, I think we'll have some of it. Uh, you can find uh, the show notes for this episode at limitlesspossibility.net slash 75. You can also find our other episode at limitlesspossibility.net. You can find the show on Twitter at limipo underscore podcast. That's L-I-M-I-P-O underscore podcast it's super useful to follow us on twitter because you will be able to see uh news about the episode and also if we were to do another limitable plays you'll be able to follow us live on twitch speaking of twitch nobody mentioned us so we'll cry a bit but that's okay 
Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at @lucohirsch. That's L-U-C-C-O-N-O-U-C-H-E, and you can find your nick at Sakrina, S-A-K-U-R-I-N-A. And we'll see you in two weeks. See you in two weeks.